Welcome to another episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Eddie. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, my. Almost a new year. Paranormal Dads, New Year, 2024. What is this? Our eighth year or something like that now? We started in 2017. Yeah, so do the math. We've been at it. We're a little... Math is hard for me. A little older, a little wiser, a little grayer, maybe. Seven. Nice. (laughs) Seven. I'd like to think we've gotten better. I think so. I hope so. I mean, you know, they say with, like, how many hours till you're a master? 10,000. Okay, I think we're a little short. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, truth be told, you know, the episodes might be what they are, but that's an edited version. So, uh, you know, you guys are getting a very... So for every episode we put out at an hour an episode, it takes us, what, four or five hours to get that sucker done? Uh, Andy's a quicker editor than we are. It takes me about three hours. I think a good edit for me is about three hours, three, three to four, So depending on where I'm at. Andy's like, I got 12 minutes. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I just fast forward through it. Insert random sound effects in places they don't belong. It's funny to see if uh, longtime listeners could guess who edited which episode. That'd be the fun one to see. If you can guess the style of... Because arguably, hopefully, you haven't noticed a massive difference between the shows. Yeah, we try to keep it similar, you know, as Edit-wise. But if you're paying attention, you might notice some nuances. We, we here. try to keep some consistency, but there are differences. Yeah. Well, and, and and we each edit a little differently. So That's where it gives us a chance to put our own artistic touch, or lack thereof, on the, <laughs> on the episode that we're editing. But uh, Eddie is a part of a number of podcasts. Uh, one is uh, the Dimensions podcast, which you guys knocked it out of the ballpark with that recent holiday special, by the way. I'm really happy you guys liked it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did hear it. It was nuts. We wanted to do, we said, what would it be like if you were changing the TV or the radio and you were just going to different holiday specials that were like just all, and you were catching them in weird, you know, like yeah. out of context. Right. And so we just thought, let's just go for it. So, you know, we record our stuff actually separately a lot of times, and then we just edit it all together. And it was hilarious. He had David dimensions. And- <laughs> I was, I was cracking up the whole time. My daughter Sky was like, "What are you laughing at?" I'm like, "Oh, Eddie's other podcast." But you, you may have gotten in ten thousand hours if you factor in all of the podcasts that you've ever done. You might actually oh, yeah. be a master at this. Eddie. I, you know, it's proof that you're busy. Like your life is full when you can't remember or you can't keep track of certain things. Where last year. Uh, October of last year was my 10th year podcasting. So totally. That's why he's known as the Podfather. I, that's a stress. <laughs> thank you. Sir. It's, thank it's you. a trademark. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, 10 years of podcasting. And I think it's safe to say probably 10,000 hours at this point for me. Counting, recording, and editing, I would easily say 10,000 hours doing that. But yeah. it's fun. I love it. Yeah, it's a labor of love, and maybe not even considered a labor so much as a hobby or a passion. But back then, people didn't even know what a podcast was. No, you just had to dumb it down. Like, oh, it's like a it's like the internet. radio. It's a radio on the internet, and we couldn't do it without 
the support of our listeners. Hey. And we want to thank you for listening to the show. We've had, there's many people who have listened the entire run. And then we, we pick up new people all the time. So we appreciate any amount of time anyone's put into our podcast. Uh, you know, we couldn't be here without you. So we appreciate that. Just want to give one shout out to one of our listeners, Morgan, who reached out to me. Uh, it's actually about a month ago now. Oh, nice. But uh, after our episode where we did all the uh, Christmas ornaments, mm -hmm. the paranormal Christmas the, ornaments. The Thanksgiving episode, right? Yeah, yeah. She pointed out uh, a couple that she found. There's one. It's pretty funny. It's a round acrylic Christmas tree ornament, uh, and it's on a website. Um, oh, let's see if I can find it here. It's Timu, T-E-M-U dot com. And so it's a Christmas ornament of Bigfoot, and he's he's pulling a sleigh full of presents. He's carrying a little Christmas tree. He's got a Christmas hat off and a red flannel shirt that he's wearing. So That's amazing. Inside, a, inside a globe. Yeah. <laughs> so That's amazing. It, it's kind of a flat uh, acrylic Christmas ornament. So that was cool. And then she's also found one at, uh, it's called the Red Shed Bigfoot Ornament. So it's Bigfoot, and he's ringing a bell, and he's got a uh, Santa hat on. This one is found at Tractor Supply Store. Do you guys know we're getting a new tractor supply here in Omaha? We are not. I think it's, uh, I want to say it's out in Gretna. Okay. Or s somewhere thereabouts. But uh, Tractor Supply is such a cool place. Where else can you go and buy chickens, right? Right. <laughs> you exactly. can buy live chickens at Tractor <laughs> Supply. I love going there. I want to come Just because of all the crazy stuff you can find there. That'd be amazing. You know, if 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 you live in a small town, maybe it's not such a trip, but for for. People like us that live in the city all the time and don't get out much, it's always fun to go out and see chickens running around the store. <laughs> go to Tractor Supply, come home. I bought a farm. Bought a farm. And, you so, know, it's funny because people, you know, many people know we're from Nebraska and they probably think that equals small town, but right. we're in the biggest city of Nebraska. Yeah. Roughly a million people, you yeah. know, Omaha is. But, yeah, thanks to Morgan for that gift idea. Speaking of gifts, before we officially get into this episode, guys. Uh -oh. I got you a little something. Oh, he just, did. Just a little whatnot and a, and a doohickey, and, and I, I wrapped it up here. That's the best wrapping job I could do, by the way. It's, so It's very nice. I it's wasn't expecting presents. Neither today. was I, and we feel bad. I didn't bring mine for you. I, but... I, I have something for you guys, but I forgot to bring it. <sighs> we'll to We're bad. Hit well, it on another open episode. It up. Bad open paranormal buddy. Which one is, is this his? Uh, this one a... has my name, so oh, I, a name I figured this on one's here? for me. How can you see that? <laughs> Yeah, I oh, ran yeah. out of tags, so I had to write it with a Sharpie. Just a Sharpie. <laughs> this a is Sharpie. my colorblindness at work. Like, I literally can't see. If you've got th something written on here, I can't see it. It's red and green. It's And oh, with, yeah. with a black it, mark. It Where's Eddie? the writing? I, I can't okay, see Okay, I'll find it. I have it's, colorblind oh, it's, glasses. It's, it's right there. It says Eddie. I see it right now, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, dig that. in, dig in. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Go open I'm the gonna Hold up to the mic. Yeah, hold it up right, right to the mic. Ooh, what is this? It already looks kind of... Is this a Krampus? What? Surviving Krampus and other Yuletide monsters fright before Christmas. It's literally a kid who looks like he knows he's going to die. <laughs> and he's being carried off by Krampus, who looks like he is having a good time. Krampus has got him under the arms, oh, and he's just walking off with him. What do Eddie, I got? I know you, Krampus is near and dear to your heart. So when I saw I that, this. I was like, this has Eddie written all over it. Surviving Krampus. This is a great book, Andy. Where'd you get this? I got it from a, a local bookstore out of town. Yeah. Oh, I saw is, it. It was impulse by. This is very cool. Ghostly Tales of Minnesota. It's just uh, a little uh, paperback book by Ruth D. Hine. This is like one. Um, I just bought one about ghosts in the Tampa area because my son's going to school down there. 
So, yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Minnesota is one of my uh, homes away from home. I love it up there. Minnesota's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, beautiful place. This is literally like, you know, the the I was telling someone about like Christmas and kind of create. They were like, Christmas isn't scary. I'm like, there's a line in the song and scary ghost stories. And this yeah. is literally a book of scary ghost stories for Christmas. Oh, my gosh. So maybe it'll eventually <laughs> translate to uh segment on a on a future episode maybe next year but yeah happy reading boys book report thank you brother next week. The fright be- thank you andy the <laughs> fright before christmas i love krampus it's almost too much i should just back off but i can't well that concludes our banter segment so if you're new to the show we, we do have a format believe it or not so we always start with recent sightings and then we go into pop culture and the paranormal and then we put a bow on the episode with main mysteries so who's up for recent sightings guys I got the recents. Eddie's got the recents. I'm up, de- up on deck. Up deck. Up deck. Up go. deck. deck. I'm yes. on, uh, on sports ball. Sports. <laughs> All right. So we've done this as a main topic of the show before, but I don't want to get so far away that we forget this. April 24th, 2022, which by all means by this show is recent. (laughs) Sure. Um, A crop circle in, uh, I believe it was um, Winchester, England, was discovered in a mustard seed, mustard field. Not a field of mustard bottles. That'd be amazing. (laughs) All the hot dogs you could. (laughs) Oh, no, the hot dog truck spilled by the mustard fields. Um, mustard plants, and this was a very intricate, maybe a little bit more simplistic as far as some of the more complicated ones go, but certainly a a crop circle uh, was found in this field, and it kind of reinvigorated in me this discussion and this uh, fascination with crop circles and how, if you want to, go refer back to our earlier episodes. I want to say it was within the first 20 episodes we did crop circles, and and what I found interesting when I did a little bit more of a deep dive on uh, the recent phenomenon of crop circles was that in some cases, um, there has been like mathematical and even astrological uh, like calculations and numbers and numerical formulas cooked into these crop circles. So they aren't just shapes in the field. They actually do represent um, – uh, either mathematical concepts or even in some cases like ratios that frankly would not necessarily exist outside of a random shape stomped into a field. Um, the part that I found interesting was with this crop circle and then other crop circles, once they peep, these people involved who did the research to kind of get into like who's talking about them, who's researching them, who's doing these things, there seems to be an actual like concerted effort to muddy the water when it comes to crop circles and what they're trying to kind of communicate to us in that there is an actual effort to prevent real discussion amongst people and, and entities about what they mean and what they're trying to communicate. Um, yeah. Is it almost like, you know, too much information throws, throws you off the scent? That's just it. You know, they, they were saying not they, but the, this, this article and some of the videos I looked up were, were basically the, the people and, um, principal players involved with some of these, um, research and discussion of it, they go pro and then they go against in the same kind of areas. And so eventually it's like what's the truth here? They're trying to intentionally kind of muddy the water so that discussing crop circles um, becomes basically like exhausting and people don't want to do it. 
But one of the bigger ones that came out, this wasn't so much part of the recent sighting, but this was another crop circle that was fairly recent, was several years ago at SETI, the, uh, what was it? The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Thank you, sir. Uh, via binary code, we're sending out into space a signal that basically when you like look at the, what the code was representing, it was essentially like the DNA helix of us, of humans. Uh, it was showing like the carbon uh, atom being like the one that's the most prevalent element that we're based off of, we're carbon-based. Um, our positional, our position in our solar system where Earth is. Then they even did like a, basically a stick figure of what a human being looks like, all in binary code being shot out into space. And there was a crop circle that happened not far from that actual uh, place. Um, I want to say it was in South America, wherever that satellite is for SETI. Oh, yeah, I think it's in Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a crop circle that I want to say was somewhat near there uh, that showed up that was a literal response to that. And it had an, another DNA sequence that was slightly different. They had a silicon-based, a silicon-like um, atom representation <laughs> of their base. And then it had their position on their, and it was like the fifth planet in their solar system. It was nuts. That's it was, creepy. Yeah. That's really creepy. Have you creepy. heard about this, Pat, at all? No, I haven't. And then, and then, like a little stick figure of what they look like, and it was this traditional kind of gray alien-looking head was much bigger in comparison to the body versus ours was more proportional to what we have. And it was nuts. I want to say there was even like a, a math equation at the bottom of ours. We had like a math equation, and then theirs, they had the answer to the math equation. It was like, and like two plus two equals a four. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that simple. <laughs> but the point is, it was a, an answer to that thing. And they were like, again, like if anyone was to fake this, they would need to know that that's what we were broadcasting. And I mean, it was just, it gets to the point to where, not because it's easier, but because frankly, it's more probable. Like the whole Occam's razor thing is like, the, the reality of people stomping around with tennis rackets strapped to their feet and faking this. And they had these two guys try to demonstrate. Remember this a few years ago? Dave and yeah. Doug? Or the origi yes. The originators the original, from, from yeah. the UK? Yeah, they came out uh, several years after it was already a phenomenon. And they came out saying, oh, yeah, that was us. We did that. Yeah. And they demonstrated that it is possible. You mm -hmm. know, you, t you uh, drill a hole through a plank of wood and uh, hold it up to, uh, you know, ropes you tie ropes, ropes through it and stomp. But some of these are just so complex and yeah. so complicated. And you're right. Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is the right one. At what point do you arrive at where simplest explanation is that this is an extraterrestrial symbol? Mm -hmm. You know, the um, one of the things they noticed, I say they, the people who research crop circles was that in an authentic crop circle, um, there was actually like a chemical change in the plant and that when you had someone walk around with planks on their feet kind of pressing the, the plants down there was no chemical reaction you were literally physically pushing the plant down in this case it was almost as if a microwave was was um, affecting the plant at a certain level on the plant and causing that microwave radiation causing the plant to fold over and in that little node because you can see where the where the actual like heating up of the plant was in that node had a certain amount of like actual microwave radiation in the plant versus plants that were done by hoaxers there's clearly no microwave radiation in there and so there's a way you can see an authentic crop circle has that 
and they even compared the pattern. They had people who had stomped on it with their feet and had pressed it down into a pattern versus the uh, crop circle. The crop circle is almost woven. Right. If you look at the, the at the actual crops, they're actually like interlaced almost with each other versus just kind of pressed down. If you could picture that in your head. I wonder if they took a uh, like Geiger counter or something out into the they field did. as well. They did. They were measuring radiation levels yeah. in those. And this is back you know, several years ago when they kind of came up with that discovery was that there was a literal radiation spike in them versus when they were done with hoaxers, there was no radiation spike. But, yeah, this most recent one, uh, England, again, which apparently England is a hot spot for these uh, um, crop circles. I either forgot or we didn't discuss it. I didn't realize that Stonehenge – Near Stonehenge is just a crop circles all the time. Yeah. You know, like all the time. Stonehenge. Stonehenge. The little people of Stonehenge (laughs) dancing around. (laughs) And that's only one of many henges around the UK. So many henges. Yeah. You know, that's the most famous. Yeah. (laughs) H-E-N-G, not H-I-N-G, by the way. There's cabinets (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Cupboards. (laughs) Well, and then you have the the subcategory or or lesser known phenomenon of these balls of light that are flying around the inside of crop circles. So you get your scientist and you get the... The rubberneckers and the tourists and everyone's in the crop circle checking it out, taking pictures, people with the Geiger counters. And then you have these other people getting footage of balls of light that are zipping around at, at you know, great speeds. And they don't appear to be drones. They don't appear to be, well, we don't know what they are. But people are assuming it's originating from the energy field or it's a type of UFO or maybe it's the biological entity who created the crop circle in the first place. We're not sure. That is something I would love to live long enough to see firsthand. Could be sprites. Fairies. For real. Tinks out there. Tinkerbell. (laughs) Yes. You never know. That's right. But, yeah, that's my recent end. Anyone who has seen one or been part of this or whatever, please let us know on the show. You can let us know on uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com or reach out to us through any of those social medias. Uh, not so much Twitter. We're kind of away from the Twitter yeah. or X, whatever the X, heck it's X. called anymore. Well, I know I, I mowed a crop circle into my backyard last I remember. <laughs> and I, and uh, my daughter was distracted by a movie or something. And after I got done and I came in and showered and everything, and I said, bye, crikey, there's a crop circle in the backyard. I had her going for about five minutes until <laughs> she realized you she just like, got You were out mowing. You did this. <laughs> Smart <laughs> kid. <laughs> my dad's a hoaxer. And then, and then the therapy sessions ensue. And, I was gonna say, and then <laughs> Andy had to go. She's like, it all started when my dad started lying to me when I was nine about crop circles in the backyard. Exactly. Well, thanks, Eddie. That was a good one. Uh, thank you, guys. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. So I've got, I came across something yesterday and that I didn't even know about, but I thought it was fun. I thought it'd be a good pop culture segment. And uh, so we're going to talk about it. So think of a Disney franchise that has dabbled its toes into mm. the paranormal. Ooh. Oh. Um, there's a few. There's quite a few, actually. But this... I feel like there's elements to it in, in a lot of different ones, you know, the, the you know, characters that border on superhuman abilities, uh, things of that nature. I'm trying to think. I don't think this was a Disney one, but years ago, 
uh, probably at least 10 years ago, there was that cartoon movie that came out called, Par- it was either Paranorman or it was Paranormal Norman. Paranorman was so good. I'm not sure if that <laughs> we was We watched that as Halloween. Norman. We watched Paranorman. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. The kid can see dead people. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, of course, Mickey, oh, he, yeah. he had some, uh, there was like almost like a Ghostbuster before Ghostbusters was even a thing. Mickey had his own Ghostbuster yeah, crew. Mickey, it was Donald, Mickey and Goofy. Donald, and Goofy. Yeah. They went out and they... They had a business that went out and and investigated haunted houses. Yeah, tried to r- run ghosts out. I had one of those back when in the eighties. They had this like Fisher Price like movie camera thing that had yeah, cartridges yeah. you could slap. Oh, in. I love that thing. And yeah, I had one. I know it was, exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was like you know you could change the cartridge out and watch a different thing. And I had one. It was Mickey Donald and, Go- and Goofy. It was like ghost investigator. Yeah, that's on like Disney that. Plus. You can watch that. That that's cartoon. amazing. It's, that's so it's good. on there. Yeah. Well, this is actually the Cars franchise, believe it or not. Oh! Cars has kind of dipped its tires, so to speak, oh. into the paranormal world. And who do you think would be driving that? Pun intended Drive, there. Pun, pun intended, intended there. <laughs> uh, gotta be Mater. It's Mater. <laughs> Mater is such a... When you look at some behind-the-scenes stuff with Cars, how like that almost didn't happen, like with Larry the Cable Guy and all this. Like It was an interesting turn of events, how he got involved with that but yeah it has to be mater so yeah it's mater it's uh it's actually a series that's on disney plus called cars on the road and what it is is a uh, they have one season out nine episodes they're quick 13 minute episodes so they're real easy to watch but there's an episode called the legend it's episode number four and um it was released in september on September 8th of 2022, and it's ex- aired exclusively on Disney+. Plus. And basically what it is, is uh, Mater and Lightning McQueen go out on a road trip, just the two of them, to spend time together. Sound familiar? Yes. Kind of like there us. There you go. And they come across this group called the Wayne County Cryptid Busters. <laughs> and it's a group of cars. It's an organization of cryptid hunters who live in in a fictitious Wayne County. And so there's actually three of them that they kind of stumble across these guys in the woods one night. And, of course, Mater just friends right up with them. Lightning McQueen is, is kind of hesitant to meet these guys. But um, there's there's three of them. One of them is Margaret Motorway. Motor She's an SUV. And my favorite quote from her in the episode is, are you both willing to question everything you think you know about the natural world? I love uh, it. There, there's another guy uh, called Clutch Humboldt. He is a, uh, he's an RV, so kind of, a, kind of looks like um, Cousin Eddie's RV in, in A Christmas Story. You That's know, kind amazing. Of, kind of shoddy looking RV. My favorite quote from him is, we are researchers, Mr. McQueen. We straddle the thin veil between the known and the unknown. I love this already. And the third one is is called Griswold. <laughs> and she's actually a family truckster. So there's another nod there to uh, uh, Nash- know, Chris- Na- National Chris- Lampoons. National Lampoons Vacation. But yeah. she's a family truckster station wagon. And so, um, so basically... Uh, I don't want to get into it because it's only 13 minutes long. I could give, oh. give away the whole thing, right? But so, but their big thing is they're out there in the woods looking for Bigfoot. And, and Lightning McQueen and Mater, of course, join them on this adventure and hilarity ensues. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. So you have to check it out. 
Man, I love it because I've only seen the one where it was Mater and that little UFO. Uh, Mater and the Ghost Light, I think, is what you're talking about. So yeah. that, that's an eight-minute short. Uh, that's also available on Disney+. Plus. And so what it is is Mater is pondering the legend of the Ghost Light. And so it, that's very similar to um, the Spook Light mm-hmm. that uh, is known like in Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, down around Joplin, Missouri. Also Marfa, Texas. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's near a small town named Hornet, Missouri. Hornet. And so some people say it's attributed to uh, kind of like an optical illusion of some car lights in the distance. Uh, but other people um, point to there. there's ghosts of two young Native American lovers looking for each other, wandering around. These are some of the legends that... that kind of the mythology around this this thing um one is is that it's a ghost of a murdered osage chief uh some say it's the spirit of quapa a quapa maiden who drowned herself in the river when her warrior was killed in battle so it's it's been going around for for quite a while it sounds like in in this part of town that's something i've always wanted to do is go down there and look for the ghost lights. The ghost lights i think that'd be so fun to do well a lot of these ghost lights you know whether it's missouri or texas or there's even ghost light cases out in like uh virginia and west virginia mm-hmm. but in a lot of these cases you know when they get people on the ground out there researching it you know a lot of these lights are appearing on bluffs and cliffs where there are no roads mm-hmm. and you know then they say well what if it's a guy with a headlamp stomping around the woods at night and it's like, okay, there's no one that lives out there. There's no trails. The light zipped off, you know, at a great speed and then came back. And, I mean, so you start you start peeling back the onion layers a little bit, and, it, you know, something's amiss with these ghost lights. But it's nice to see Disney's getting in on the action with yeah. the paranormal there. Yeah. And, of course, Mater, he's such a lovable character, and, and uh, I could totally see, see him buying into, in, into the legends and the stories and, and wanting to get involved. Such a great character. I uh, Disney, for the most part, is a good repository for anything kind of paranormal. I mean, they recently came out. This is more of a Halloween thing, but they really, uh, as soon as, I mean, as early as last October, they, uh, they came out with a new version of the Haunted Mansion movie uh-huh. that came straight to Disney+. Plus. I uh, still didn't see that. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's out re- there. I was going to watch it before Halloween. I just never got around to it. It's really good. And then the uh, year before that, they came out with the Muppet Haunted Mansion. Yep. And that's really good too. So I mean, of course, just, there's a Muppet Christmas Carol. I watch it that's, every year. That's on Disney Plus. I watch it every year. It will make so, if you don't have a cold, dead heart. And, and there's, I don't know how three or four different Disney. Oh God, Mickey's Christmas, Mickey's Carols. Christmas Mickey, Carol. Mickey, and and yeah. then there's just like animated uh, Christmas carols. Uh, I know there was an animated one. I don't, I don't think it was Tim Burton that did it. It was kind of creepy looking, but that's on Disney Plus as well, I believe. Yeah, no, I you are not hurting hurting for anything paranormal and holiday ish, but yeah, Disney. Uh, I'll check that out for, for real. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I love Mater. He's just fun. Yeah, yeah. So all right, with that, right. I guess we'll ease into the main mystery. And hold on to your hats because I got something kind of spooky for you guys. Ooh. Spooky. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> You know, I circled back all the way back to, I think it was 2018, uh, last time that we covered portals uh, in any, you know, in any great uh, 
context. But I thought we could revisit that because it's such an interesting phenomenon. You know, these cases of people who not only go disappearing, but mm-hmm. who vanish without any trace of where they could have gone to. or and, and, and in a lot of these cases, too, it's not uh, true crime. You know, it, it's not, uh, you know, murder and, and, you know, things like that. It's more of like people just disappear out of thin air, almost as if they slipped into a different dimension. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got on this uh, article, liveabout.com. And that's what I'll be referencing as I as I talk about this. But this was an article that was updated in 2018, ironically enough. And, you know, people disappear every day. It's actually estimated that as many as 10 million people are reported missing each year in the United States alone. Now, thankfully, about 95% of them return or are otherwise accounted for at a later time. Okay. But, I was going to say 10 million. To, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Thankfully, 95% are found. But <laughs> okay, that 5%, Pat, that 5%, you know. That's still a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're victims of kidnappings, abductions, runaways, other, you know, dark violence. But there's a small percentage of disappearances uh, for which there is no easy explanation. So... You know, the fate of these people, sometimes groups of people, is left for us to wonder about. Did they unknowingly step into a portal? Were they swallowed up by a rift in the three-dimensional world? Were they abducted by ETs or UFOs? And, you know, although these are pretty far-out suggestions, um, the circumstances of the following unexplained disappearances leave us scratching our heads in bewilderment. So the first story here, guys, is titled The Vanishing Prisoner. And this account actually is an excellent case in point because it defies any rational explanation for one simple reason, and that is it occurred in full view of witnesses. Hmm. So the year was 1815. Nice. Back in Eddie's great-great-grandpappy (laughs) days. Nice. Great-great-grandpappy Fosler. I done seen it. Man's walking through the woods. And I was like, don't forget your backpack. And I turn around, he gone. His backpack was right there. I took it. That was the end. Is that great, great grandpa Zeke? That's great grandpappy Ezekiel Fossler. I'm out. <laughs> so it was eighteen fifty. Location in a Prussian prison at uh White Weichelmunde. This is not the place you want to be, basically. The prisoner's name was Diedricky. Um he was a valet who was serving a sentence for assuming his employer's identity after he died from a stroke. It was ordinary afternoon for this man, and he was just one of a whole line of prisoners, all chained together, walking the prison yard for daily exercise. And as he walked with his prison inmates to the clanking of their shackles, he slowly began to fade, literally. Whoa. His body became more and more transparent until homeboy disappeared altogether, and his, uh, his leg irons fell empty to the ground. He disappeared into the air and was never seen again. How would you like to be the guard that has to, yeah, has to report that? Yeah, yeah, he just disappeared. Listen, guys, he faded away. I mean, this, again, they're not going to believe you. In the same era where you could just assume someone's identity because they died, like you just dropped dead, Pat, and I'm like, I'm Pat Pleiss now. And you just <laughs> only in the 1800s could you do that. Yeah. And and so in the same thing, the guard's like, yeah, he faded away into nothingness. Like he helped him escape, kill him. <laughs> like this is just not fair. They weren't verifying anything no, back then. No you, verification. Yeah, what's your social security number? Uh, two. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> synchronicity there. <laughs> can't take one. That's obvious. You can't take one. 
So, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a Shawshank Redemption kind of thing. Reminds yeah. me of the headmaster. He was like, he disappeared like a fart in the wind, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. Faded away. Eyewitnesses. Hey, if there's ever a place you want to fade away from, it's a Prussian prison. You know? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how you make sense of that. Uh, supernatural. Maybe the guy's guardian angels intervened. Uh, call it a miracle. Call it, call it what you want. But it was never solved. And the ne- next one here is titled Stumble Into Nothingness. All right. So it's difficult to dismiss such incredible stories when they take place in front of eyewitnesses. So here's another one, right? This case began as a harmless bet among friends, and it sadly ended in tragic mystery. The year was 1873. Uh, James Warson of Leamington Spa, England, was a simple shoemaker who also fancied himself somewhat of an athlete. And so one day, good old James made a bet with a few of his buddies that he could run nonstop from Leamington Spa to Coventry. And knowing that it was a good 16 miles, his friends readily took the bet. So as James began to jog at a moderate pace towards Coventry, his friends climbed into a horse-drawn cart to follow him and protect their bet. James did well for the first few miles, and then his friends saw him trip on something and fall forward, but he never hit the ground. So instead, James completely vanished. Astonished and doubting their own eyes, his friends looked for him without success and then raced back to Leamington Spa to inform the police. An investigation turned up absolutely nothing. James Warson had run into oblivion. <laughs> Sounds like me when I did the rock and roll marathon in Denver, like in 2008. You went into oblivion? <laughs> I felt like I went into oblivion. Your lungs were I made anyways, it through, huh? but... <laughs> half marathon. Six... I've only done half marathon. You did one full one. That was my only first and only full. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I've done uh, like... Five half marathons. I just can't bring myself to do the full. Well, sixteen miles is that's a, that's that's, that's a, a jaunt. Good, that's a good haul. Yeah, that's, that's thirteen point one. I think was the. But still, the, usually yeah. people don't disappear. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but what if you disappeared and then you popped out the portal at the finish line? How convenient Boop. would that be? Yay! Right. <laughs> like you took a taxi or a horse-drawn carriage. No, I didn't. I took a portal. I portaled. <laughs> or a subway under the county road. I tell you, I, the the notion that, and this is where like we we've heard this reference quite a bit. If, if you you know run in these circles, you're going to hear references to portals a lot, and the, and like the uh, idea is that there are places in the world you could go where a portal either did exist or is likely to exist or could appear and reappear or disappear and reappear. Um, I know there's a place like like we were saying in the last segment, even in places like some of the hinges and even some around like archaeological like sites of significance, like, you know, some of the great pyramids and other things. There, there's a belief that there is some sort of portal there that you could access to kind of get to a different either a different place on the planet or an entirely different dimension altogether. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. It's it's fascinating, you know, and as science and physics starts to catch up with with things, it's almost like you you pop down a physics rabbit hole and you come out the in, in spirituality and vice versa, you know, because on a quantum level, some of these things start to add up that, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Everything is consciousness. Everything has memory. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe portals play into that in a larger picture. Maybe that's how the aliens are getting here in the first place. There's apparently a push to relocate certain federal agencies to Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, there's a belief that there's actually a portal 
there hmm. uh, in Huntsville, uh, even to the likes of uh, uh, so apparently the Space Force is being proposed to move the the uh, the home base of the Space Force to Huntsville. I was going to say I thought there's like some kind of a space outfit yeah. uh, in Huntsville. It's like a rocket test center or something yeah. down there. And there are people of the likes of Stephen Greer. Uh, if anyone knows uh, who that Dr. Stephen Greer, he is uh, very like prominent and active in the world of uh, UFOs and extraterrestrials, uh, down to where he formed that uh, CE5. CE5 method where yeah. you can actually have an experience right. with uh, extraterrestrials on a uh, psychic, emotional-type level. Um, a very well-read, smart man. This is where it's like this guy lends a lot of uh, credibility to the discussion. And he's even said... He has contacts down in the Redstone Arsenal area of uh, Alabama who have said they've kind of blown a whistle on this thing that not only is there a reason they want to do this, the reason is that there is um, a portal that's been opened down there uh, by us or it was already kind of partially open and that we figured out a way to keep it open. There's some discussion on portals in Huntsville, Alabama, so you can add that as to one of a. (laughs) <laughs> Another reference. There's a place here in Nebraska, and I've mentioned it before. Uh, it was a go- it's a ghost town now, but it was called Portal, Nebraska, and it's right outside of the city city air quotes of Papillion, uh, Papillion La Vista area. There's a road called Portal Road, and mm-hmm. right in that general area was the ghost town. And I say that not because it's no longer there, but this small town of Portal, Nebraska, and there was a uh, there's urban myth of there having had been some form of portal, some gateway in that little area of uh, even as close as where we are now. Look at that. Well, I mean, a lot of names stem from something, right? Even fairy tales stem from a kernel of truth. So it does make you wonder. And there's also speculation and rumors. If you're in the kind of new age metaphysical community here in Omaha, which is thriving by the way, but they say there's portals down in the, in the north part of the city. Mm-hmm. Where, I don't know. I do have friends that have done meditation circles and drum circles and claim to know where these portals are. But, yeah, maybe there's one out in the Papillion La Vista area as well. Watch the Stephen Greer thing. Watch it be a, a, a publicity stunt. And you're like, come into the portal. And then you pop out in a Chick-fil-A at Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> like, dang it, man. They do have good chicken, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the portal to delicious sandwiches dang it it's a marketing ploy mm. it's like the christmas story when it's like the decoder ring uh, uh, <laughs> oval team drink your a crummy oh. commercial <laughs> yeah. this isn't a portal well i don't know what it was with the 1800s and portals but here we have another one back in 1878 and this one's called halfway to the well So most disappearances do not have witnesses, yet there is sometimes circumstantial evidence that is no less puzzling. Now, this case for the vanishing of Charles Ashmore, and it was a cold November winter night in 1878 when then 16-year-old Charles went out into the dark with a bucket to fetch water from the well for his family in their Quincy, Illinois property. He did not return. After many minutes, his father and sister started to become concerned. They feared that Charles perhaps had slipped in the snow that blanketed the ground and maybe he was injured or worse, had fallen into the well. They set out to look for him, but he was just gone. There was no sign of a struggle, no sign of a fall, uh, only the clear tracks of Charles's footprints to the fresh snow that led halfway to the well, and then the tracks abruptly stopped. Charles Ashmore had suddenly disappeared into the void. Now, how do you explain this one, guys? Because 
foot tracks through the snow. They come to a stop. There's no other footprints anywhere around, which there would have been if he was abducted, unless he was abducted from the sky. Right. right. I don't know. These things fascinate me. We get into things like time slips, which I think, again, is another just uh, another word for portal where you know, you step into a different spot for a little second or two and you gl- you glimpse a thing that is out of time or you're the one out of time and then you snap back. Um, that was one thing Steve Greer mentioned too, that he thinks that we've snapped time, air quotes, in that area, that there's some sort of thing. Snapped going. like a rubber band. I know, right? Just broke it. We done broke time. Oh, I swear it feels like it, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think either you're talking a UFO abduction right out of the gate, just whoop, you know, or, you know, stepping into a different... Thing. I think in some ways our brains kind of understand that. It's like leaving a room. It's like you're no longer in the kitchen. Now you're in the dining room. So it's like that. In a way, someone smart people, like you leave, you travel interdimensionally whenever you jump up in the air. Okay, be cute. But the thing, <laughs> but the thing is like, <laughs> like, like I think the notion is we kind of understand that on some level. Like you're just stepping, you might physically be in the same space, but the, that, that time or whatever it is, you're not in that anymore you know i don't know i think i would once again chalk this up to crop circles again i would volunteer for it if you're like there's a portal i'd walk through it <laughs> <laughs> i would and he'd put on the red spacesuit and the sunglasses and say, i'm all i'm all in send me Sign, in send I'm, me in I'm steve buscemi on the <laughs> missile in armageddon just then send me in news crew shows up what were his last words I done seen it. I done seen it. I would yell that out. I done seen it. His only word. I done seen it. Tumbling end over end through a wormhole, getting spaghettified as your limbs <laughs> unraveled. <laughs> That's a thing too. I read recently. This is a while ago. It was like there's more and more belief that black holes very much could be just a, a tunnel into another universe. Very simply, like that. Yeah. You know, maybe we should just pop pop a guy in there and see what happens. You know, I, I'd probably sign up for that. I think there's more people than you think that would actually sign up for that. I think that, I think you I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not to yeah. be dark, but no, I think a lot of like, people. Curiosity is worth that one way ticket. Yeah. You know, yeah. how about you guys? Would you do that at all? Sky's grown. She's happy. She's off doing her thing. You know, there's a part of you that wants to say yes, but then there's this other part of you that's like, but what about my friends and family? If I, I don't make it back, you know, it's like, I don't know. Reminds me of Matthew McConaughey and in Interstellar. Oh yeah, great movie. Has to do with wormholes so and black good. holes. I'd be the one, Eddie. Don't jump over the fence, Eddie. Stay here. <laughs> don't jump over the no, fence. A, you can turn into transdimensional spaghetti. <laughs> Pat's referring to our most recent uh, Dogman venture, where we vacation to undisclosed locations, and Eddie saw a sign that suggested it might be private property, and he was like, "Eh, I'm gonna hop it anyways." <laughs> doesn't say keep out. <laughs> it doesn't say keep out. What Shrugs. about that guy with the shotgun over there, Eddie? <laughs> he, he might miss. <laughs> it's just a fence. We I'm, could go over the fence. I'm like running a zigzag pattern. I can't show you. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Come on, Paul. Zigzag, Pat, zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> they can't get us all. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. All right, we're coming more recent now. We have, have a case from 1959, and this one's called Gone in His Sleep. Bruce Campbell was right next to his wife when he disappeared, although she did not see it happen. Uh, She was asleep, and perhaps so was he. And so it was April 14, 1959, and Campbell was traveling with his wife from their hometown in Massachusetts to visit their son some distance across the country. 
It was a long but pleasant drive across the United States with plenty of stops along the way. One overnight stop was in Jacksonville, Illinois, and it turned out to be the last stop for Mr. Campbell uh, that Mr. Campbell ever would make. He and his wife checked into a motel and went to bed, and in the morning, Mrs. Campbell awoke to find the space next to her in bed empty. Mr. Campbell had vanished, apparently in his pajamas. All of his belongings, his money, his car, his clothing, everything remained behind, but Bruce was never seen again, and no explanation of his disappearance was ever found. So the last one, we were in Quincy, Illinois. Now we're in another place in Illinois. If you go to Illinois, Illinois watch is back. a hot spot. Yeah. That's right. Illinois is just one big portal. And, and then yeah. Chicago has more uh, Mothman sightings than they know what to do with <laughs> in recent times. So Yeah, and again, I think some of the efforts to try to explain those, to me, once again, I, I, again, I think we really... Um, we try to minimize people's knowing, you know, it's like you see, I saw, I was driving out to Decatur, Nebraska, um, which is not far. It's like an hour North of here, um, uh, for a family Christmas thing. And we're driving there and I saw a gigantic bird take off from the ground. And it took me a second to look at it and go, that's a really big bird. Oh, it's an Eagle. And it was, you, know, you see them a lot of times flying, but I saw the sucker on the ground taking off and you're like, well, it's a big bird. Yeah. yeah. And again, my brain wasn't like I saw this big bird and I was like, that's an alien. And I'm like, a, am a paranormal dad. Like I'm sitting here like I, I do want to see these things, but not so much that I would lie or purposely confuse something. And so when you see something like a mothman, you're like, I know I done seen it. I know what I saw. So when people see a moth, uh, I've seen some of that Mothman footage. It's crazy yeah. looking. You're like it's some weird stuff in Chicago. You're yeah. like, that's a dude with wings with right out. O'Hare Airport, some of that stuff. Yeah, and so I just I find again I find the 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 urge to debunk to me is almost more fascinating in some cases than it's like why do you feel the need to yank everything air quotes down to earth because yeah. we already know the real the UFO thing is a confirmed thing so you know dude disappeared know. in his pajamas yeah his jammies <laughs> he, in his in his jam jams just disappeared into a portal. Andy, you know, you're not going to leave us, are you? Andy's literally wearing his he's pajamas in his right now. I have he's, presently Bigfoot pajama pants, Bigfoot slippers, Bigfoot Pacific Northwest <laughs> t-shirt. You could not be more sat, squatched out right now. You are and head his, to toe. And his paperboy hat. That's right. Always. It doesn't go with my attire. <laughs> when Andy, thought, when I've seen Andy this. without his hat, there's times I didn't recognize him. Yeah. I assume there was an exposed brain under it there. It always makes me a... feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> he takes his hat off as just a pulsing brain. I'm like, oh, what about I do still have hair. I guess oh, I, I thought he was bald. I thought he was, yeah. he was bald and didn't want to face it. So, no, glorious. And he's got hair. more hair than I do. I can yeah. Tell glorious, you that. glorious head of hair. He just lo he loves that hat. Well, reminds me of simpler times, you know. But <laughs> hey, point, point is. If you're in Chicago, watch your back. They got Mothman. They got portals. You might just disappear in your jam jams when you're in a motel. Speaking of which, here in Jewel Park. Here in Nebraska, Omaha, there's a there's a park called Jewel Park. What uh, is Jewel Park? J e w e l l in Omaha. Someone found a sign that has been posted, a very real, like professionally done, real sign. Uh, Kindred interdimensional monitoring point. Please close <laughs> all portals when finished to help minimize interdimensional contamination. That is awesome. <laughs> There you go. It just looks like a park sign. Yeah, it's a park a sign. Literal, like a parks and yeah, rec sign. Legit sign. And there you it go. is 
referencing that you are in a you are in a interdim uh, interdimensional monitoring point. <laughs> yeah, Jewel Park, Nebraska. Literally this year. No one knows who put it up or why. I think it's the simplest explanation is true. I think it's awesome. Yep. Uh, let's see. We got another one from Illinois, guys. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois. I, I just Illinois. said Illinois. Des Moines. Des Moines. That, that's the plural for Illinois. Illinois. Anyway. Illinois. They drove away to where? This is the title. So here's another case of a couple in Illinois, but this time they both vanished along with their car. It was May 1970 when Edward and Stephanie Andrews were in the city of Chicago to attend a trade convention party at the Chicago Sheraton Hotel. Now, uh, Edward was a bookkeeper and uh, Stephanie was a credit investigator. They were both 63 years old, considered average upstanding citizens who lived in a fine home in the Chicago suburb of Arlington Heights. During the party, other attendees noticed that Edward complained of mild illness, mm. which he attributed to merely being hungry. Uh, the party only served drinks and small hors d'oeuvres, uh, so he kind of had an empty stomach. They soon left the party and went to the parking garage to retrieve their car. The parking attendant later told authorities that Stephanie appeared to be crying and that Edward did not look well. As they drove away with Edward at the wheel, he scraped the car's fender on the exit door, but he kept on going. The attendant was the last person to ever see the Andrews. They vanished into the night, and police speculated that Edward, not feeling well, had driven off a bridge into the Chicago River. However, an investigation uncovered no sign of such an incident, and the river was even dragged for the car without success. So the Andrews and their car were just flat-out gone. Drove to a portal to meet up with the guy wearing the pajamas. This right? happens. See, that one's kind of weird because you can tell these these people were obviously stressed out when they left the mm -hmm. last seen location. Yeah, and never seen again. So, not not finding the car, too. But that's weird. Yeah, yeah. that you. Like, cars are harder to get rid of, right? Than just people just walk away. However, if you're looking at this from a skeptical point of view, that's probably what they're pointing at is he didn't look well, she was crying, was there some sort of domestic, you know, argument going on, was somebody not in their right headspace, you know, but we'll never know. We'll Quit never your crying know. or drive us into the river. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh quick update, that sign is in a part of uh Hummel Park. Ooh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and Perfect. Hummel, uh, again... We've talked about it on the show Lots before. of stuff with Hummel Park. Yeah, check some past episodes for that one, because even UFO activity has been observed out there. A yeah. lot of people have seen stuff, so... We did a whole main mystery on Hummel Park. Albinos. Haunted Hummel <laughs> Park with the cannibalistic albinos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like most of your hometown <laughs> stories. I had a nickel for every cannibalistic albino I've seen. Steering a spaceship. I'd have 43 nickels. <laughs> My neighbor's a cannibalistic albino. Well, there you, you go. go. Oh, they got nice people overall, though, right? But they they, they well, left Hummel Park. They're sweet. <laughs> there you they, go. They brought me pears for Christmas. Ah, pears? Yeah. Well, there you go. As long as it wasn't a you know, chunk of human. That's, that's <laughs> the, you know, I'm a cannibal. That doesn't mean you're a cannibal. We're all cool here. Here's some pears. <laughs> well, if you live in Illinois, thankfully this last one is a palate cleanser because the next one uh, was reported in New York, actually. A similar disappearance was reported by the New York Times in April 1980. Uh, Charles Romer and his wife Catherine were one of those retired couples who spent half the year in the North and half in the South. 
living in their summer home in Scarsdale, New York, and then driving to Florida to enjoy the winter in their Miami apartment. So it was on one such trip back to New York that the couple met their mysterious fate. They set off on the long trip on the morning of April 8th in their black Lincoln Continental, and late that afternoon, they made their first overnight stop at a motel in Brunswick City, Georgia. It turned out to be their last. Uh Uh-oh. They checked in and dropped off the luggage in the room, and then they went out, possibly to grab some dinner. A highway patrolman might have seen the car on the road that evening, and if so, it was the last that anyone ever saw of them or their Continental. They never arrived at any restaurant and never made it back to the motel. It wasn't until three days later that an investigation showed that their motel beds were never slept in. A thorough search of the area found absolutely no trace of the couple or their car no clues whatsoever. They simply vanished without a trace. Man, hmm. what year was this? 1980. Wow. wow. That's even harder to get away with. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, a little less than a year before I came into this crazy world. 81. Yeah. So, I don't know. Portals, disappearances. Um, you guys ever, I mean, ever seen anything? Dis- I mean, you get the classic socks disappearing from the dryer. <laughs> can't find your wallet, but. I've had the phenomenon and to, to happen to the point to where now, like for me, it happens less, which is kind of funny. But when it did, it got to have such a feeling of familiarity to it that I wouldn't go as far as to say portal. But I would say there was definitely some form of like disappearing act going on in my life where and I'm serious. Like I made it a point to and I didn't write it down. I should have written it down, but I mentally documented this when it happened. So like I would have, for example, this pen right here, I would have it. I would set it down. I'm putting it down right next to the Krampus book, right here. And then I would go and do a thing. And I'd come back, pen would be gone. And I'd be like, okay, my pen is gone. I know I put it by the Krampus book. I would investigate with children. Who didn't care? They didn't touch my pen. They were, (laughs) you know, this is where it's like, your kids don't care that much. Unless it's a thing that they want, you know, whatever. And then asking around, asking around, no one knows where it's at. I look, search the house, come back. The pen is exactly where I left it. <laughs> and I've had this happen in my life probably without, without any form of exaggeration, probably less than 10 times, right? eight times in my life. Well, I've had something similar where you're looking for something. You, you check the same place 50 times. Yes. It's not there. Where do you end up finding it? In that place. In that place. Yeah. <laughs> that happened with always small. Always yeah. small, always my keys, my wallet. It tend to be like everyday items that I would use with regularity. Would I would put it in a known spot, and then I'd come back to that known spot, and it would be gone. And then I would look around, and in a way, I would almost get to a point where, like, psychically and emotionally, I would be, like, acknowledging whatever. Like, okay, cool, you got me. Put it back. And then I'm not even kidding. One time, for real, it gave me goosebumps with my keys. I plopped them on my bed. He's on the bed right there. I could see him in the middle of the bed. It was a brightly colored um, cover on the bed. So my keys stood right out. There are my keys. And I literally was running an errand in the house for like an hour. And then needed to get my keys again. I go upstairs to the bed. Gone. The dent from the keys is there. The <laughs> keys are gone. So then, and I'm a, and I think at this point there was one person in the house. It was one of my daughters. And they were doing their own thing. They didn't care about my keys. And so... I look around, and then uh, literally within a few minutes, I just go, like, out loud almost. I'm like, all right, cool. Put my keys back, please. I go back to my bedroom, and I'm not kidding you. Keys are right there <laughs> in the dent. 
That's wild. I, it's I, happened. I like your scientific diligence, though, if you want to call it that. I mean, you're trying sure, to rule awareness. out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're trying to rule out, you know, human error, you know, by acknowledging where you're setting these items. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, call it a portal, call it the spirit world, a playful ghost, a guardian angel, dear old deceased, you know, grandpa, whoever you want. But I do, and I've witnessed it with my own eyes, physical objects moving on their own accord. Yeah. You know, title of my first book was called Flying Paint Rollers from Heaven. I saw a paint roller by itself fly across the room. There you go. Yeah, it can happen. It's incredibly rare. But maybe it's somehow linked with portals. I don't know. Could be something reaching through the other dimension, trying to get our attention in some ways. I um, never have experienced, I would love to, I've had have I have had that feeling. You know, the, it's, it's always a feeling. Like you get to a space or a place, and there's almost like a, an electricity. That's how people kind of describe this feeling of like, hmm, this feels electrical in a way. And so I've had that happen in places where there's no electricity. Like you're in the middle of the forest, and there's like a spot. You're like, I don't want to go there for whatever reason. This feels bad, or not, not even bad. It just feels. Like, I don't want to go there. You know, I don't know. And that place is called Hummel Park. Hummel Park. (laughs) The whole thing. (laughs) Which part? All of it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad uh, that your keys didn't uh, permanently vanish into a portal along with your car. I've been a rough day. Yeah. (laughs) I think that about does it for this episode. As always, uh, check us out on our socials. And more than anything, ladies and gentlemen, this is your chance to be an active participant in our show. Email us. Tell us what main mystery you want us to cover. And guess what? We'll cover it. We'll do it. We're open to suggestions. We yeah. love you know, catering to what you want to hear. So if it's more cryptids, if it's more aliens, if it's a lesser known kind of obscure phenomenon, even better. Local. Like local urban legends. To you. I mean, even if it's a thing we've talked about before, but it's your favorite thing and you want to hear us talk about it again, or if it's a thing you know a lot about, but you want to hear our take, we'd love to do that. Yeah, point us in the right direction. We'd be happy to explore. And if you have a true paranormal story, if you're if you're in the mood to type it up, uh, email it to us. We'll read it on the show. We'll talk about it. We'll discuss. And, uh, you know, local legend, whatever that means to you. If you're listening from parts of the U.K. or Australia or Ireland, you know, we get we get listeners from all around the world. So if there's a cool urban legend in your neck of the woods, let us know about it. We'll do our research. So, thank, thank you all for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2024. And uh, until next time, we'll see you. Should I get a mic check from Andy? Mic check, mic check. I tend to talk a little louder as we go. Am I good, Pat? You're pretty good. Nice. You're great, Eddie. I've been kind of checking you as we go here. Oh, good. He's been checking you out. I've been checking you out. I'll take it. Boy. Pipes like an angel. Andy said I looked young. Oh, I'm in a choir now, guys. You're in a choir? choir? I'll tell you. You're literally a choir boy? I'm a choir boy. (laughs) Yeah, save that for the show. Soon I'll be a choir man. Do Do you wear robes? I think we have some sort of outfit. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the attire is yet. If it's a white robe with angel wings, I will be there.